If you are a guest or a visitor with us today, which I know we have some, we're so excited that you're here. Thank you. Uh, it looks like outside that this church is packed today, and actually, we had a great crowd. We're so excited you're here. There's a wrestling tournament going on, so if you wonder what was going on, that's it, all right? It only happens a couple times a year, one or two times, I guess, and the rest of the time, we got plenty of parking, plenty of seats, so thanks for braving it and getting in the door. Great to have you. If you're a guest or visitor, we do have um, something for you at the end of the service. If you want to know more about the church, have questions, we have a welcome table that's just out of the uh, auditorium to your left. And we have a gift for you. Justin, raise your hand. Justin, where are you at? Justin will be back there to answer any questions you have about the church. Uh, we, and he'd love to meet with you. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's big. He's kind of scary looking, but he's really a nice guy. So do that. If you, if you wonder, like, how do, we, how do we collect offering here at the church? Do we pass a basket? It's too weird to do that here because of the way this auditorium is set up. So we have baskets at each door. So as you're leaving today, if you came prepared to give uh, an offering, just, just leave that as a, as a gift as you walk, a, walk out this morning. We'd love for you to do that. But I really want to encourage you, if you have a bulletin today, open up the bulletin and there's a piece that, that comes off. Tear that off and fill that out. Everyone, tear it off and fill it out, all right? I'm, this is going to be like the biggest collection of of pieces of paper we've had all year long, right? So fill those out. If you have a prayer request, write that on the back, and we are faithful to pray for you. We send it out to about 80 people that cover these things in prayer during the week, and so make sure that you uh, do that if you have. If you have a praise, too, if something really incredible is happening in your life and you want us to know about it, we'd love to hear about that, too. Place that on there, and uh, that's kind of how we do it here at the Calling Community Church. So I want to share this passage of Scripture with you before we jump right in to, to, our, to the, the message today. And I just, I, know, I just love this word. It comes from the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And this is Paul praying for the church. So I just, want you, I just want to just speak this over you today as we start. So Paul says in, first, or in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, he says, This is why. Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, he says, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength? Isn't that amazing? Do you want some of that today? Do you want some of this, uh, your eyes to be enlightened so that you may know the hope of his calling in your life? That's part of our, our uh, mission statement here at the church, is that you discover the calling that he has for your life. Yes. Youth? Is it, is it, is it that time? Is that day? Really? Wow, I did not know that. They were all like getting my attention. Okay, so sidebar. So stand up. Jacob and Angela work with uh, youth in our church. So if you are 6th through 12th grade, stand up right now. 6th through 12th. Go ahead. Stand up. You guys go. Come on. You guys hang out with him on Wednesday nights all the time. 6th through 12th. Just walk. Where are you guys going up that way? Yeah, follow them. Sorry about that. My wife makes the bulletins, 
I should probably actually read them. It might be a good thing. I'm like, yeah, it looks good. <laughs> Print it out. Let's roll with it. All right, so thank you. That was awesome. Glad they have a chance to do that. Our youth meets on Wednesday nights at Jacob and Angela's house, and they're, uh, they do a great job just loving on the students. So it says, I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know that the hope of this calling, and like I said, the part of our mission statement is that you would know the calling God has for your life. And we talked about this yesterday at this gathering that we had. Listen, not everybody has a calling to be a pastor of a church. And that's, that's great because, listen, there's more of you than there is of me. But you have a calling wherever it is that you go, whatever it is that you do, to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Isn't that true? Because you have access to people I'll never get to see or touch. You work with them and you come in contact with them. You uh, carpool with them or you work out with them at the Y or whatever it is. You have access to them that I don't. And so it says that you would know the hope of this calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Like if we had any idea what it is that God has in store for us someday, not just here on earth, but someday, oh man, it would just help us to like face the troubles and the trials of the day with a little bit more hope, a little more excitement. We walked in here today and the speakers weren't working. It's the first Sunday and all the time we've been here. They, they weren't coming on. We couldn't figure out what was going on. And it was a scramble, and our worship team put it all together. And I think the worship actually sounded better today than maybe it ever has. So what it, the enemy is intended for evil, God turns it to good, and he just makes something better out of it. So we're excited for that. But if we knew the glorious inheritance he has for us, and we could face this day with a different perspective. And what is the immeasurable greatness of the power towards us who believe? And it's like... It's a resurrecting power. It's power for us to have life after death. But it's a power for us to face the day, to walk through this day that he's calling us to, to face the trials and the, and the stuff that we go through with this, this knowledge that, man, God is working on our behalf, right? He's working. He's giving us strength to make it. So I just, I just wanted to share that with you this morning. That was like a separate note from the sermon. I thought it was just a good word to be encouraged by today. So if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we started out the year uh, talking about the expe expectations for the coming year, and we talked about God opening our eyes to see things we've never seen before. And even today, new faces that walked into the door, people I've never seen before with my eyes, and some people that I've seen several times, but they're new today. And it's like, God, thank you for opening up. Thank you for being true to that word already. And then we talked about the following week about how uh, we want to through confession, just leave the trash of 2017 behind. Hashtag no trash was, was last week's theme. You know, like confession uh, brings progression in our life. We're just going to leave it behind. We're going to move forward with some movement, right? And with movement, we want to see growth, right? Do we, do we want to grow? Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to grow in your knowledge of who God is and the knowledge, self-awareness, like who I am and who God is? We want to grow, right? Because we believe living things are supposed to grow. So here we are, week number three, 2018, hopefully free of trash, eyes wide open, ready to go forward. So it was about two o'clock in the morning, and our daughter came home, and she had, was crying, and it's like, what is going on? You know, like you're waking from a dead sleep. You know, when I was, my kids were teenagers, I was a little more alert at two o'clock in the morning, you know? But now that they're out of the nest, I'm, I'm a little, I sleep a little, a little bit better, a little more sound. Like, I'm not quite there, you know. And I wake up, and we, 
we just have this really incredible conversation with our daughter, just, just her just being real with us and just really a neat, a neat time with her. But then I was wide awake. <laughs> it was 3.30 in the morning, and I'm like, well, I, I can't go to sleep. I, I, gotta, I gotta get up. And so God starts like putting these things in my mind, and I started thinking about uh, where it is that we're going next. Like, what's the next thing for us? Like, God, what are you trying to say uh, through me to your church? And so I went down to, um, to my recliner. Remember last week I talked about the recliner somebody gave me, you know? And so I was thinking about them. So I sat in the recliner, and I was thinking about uh, just, the, my, just being challenged by the direction of the church and what's next for 2018. And I started thinking about the beginning of the church. I started thinking about when before the church even started, I was still working at Vineyard Church on Sunday mornings, and I had to go back on Sunday nights. But in the afternoon, we would open it up to anybody that wanted to gather in people's homes. And we gathered for several weeks in a row just in the afternoons, and we would just get together, we would worship together, we would pray together, and we would plan. And we would just dream a little bit, like, what? Like, what's it going to look like? When should, we, when should we start this thing? And it was a sweet time, just really loving each other and obviously loving God. Um, and so we trusted in him, and we just waited on him. And then as I, as I started thinking about those moments and kind of what's next for us here, I started uh, having the what-if problem. You ever have that happen? Like, what if? They started to hit me pretty hard. So I had, uh, I had been reading recently, or just kind of going back over this book called Celebration of Disciplines. How many of you ever heard of that book before by Richard Foster? Celebration of Disciplines. It was a book that we had done uh, when I was at the Baptist Church, and we'd, I'd actually kind of reacquainted myself with it when I was at the Vineyard Church. And in this book, it, it started talking about 12 spiritual disciplines or training, if you will. If you're an athlete, think about it like this way. It's training. It's practice. Or maybe you can look at it like this. It's holy habits that followers of Jesus would have. Twelve different disciplines. And so I thought, what if, what if we did a series on these disciplines? Like, what if we taught about the disciplines on Sunday morning and encouraged people to do some practice Throughout the week, right? If you're an athlete, do you just show up to the game and play or do you practice during the week? Hopefully you're practicing at some point. I was listening to, uh, to um, Bill Self yesterday after I watched the KU game. And he was talking about uh, a couple of the players that, that shot 7 for 18 from the free throw line. That's sad, <laughs> You're a college basketball player. Surely you should be able to do better than that. Seven for 18. Guess what? They're going to be practicing today. Free throws. A lot of them. And how do you get better? You just practice over and over and over again. So what if we talk about the spiritual disciplines and we encourage people to practice them throughout the week? But then I thought, what if people are turned off by the word discipline? So what do you think about when you hear the word discipline? Just, just be on right now. Just shout it out. What do you think about? What? Doing something you don't want to do. All right. Yeah. Okay. There might be a few of these things, huh? Getting your butt whooped. 
Yes. <laughs> Just recently, I had a conversation um, on Facebook with my fifth grade teacher, Debbie Solomon. It's really interesting. Debbie's health is really, really poor right now, and she has sought me out and asked me to pray for her. What a neat thing for me to get to pray for my fifth grade teacher. And guess what fifth, my fifth grade teacher did for me when I was in fifth grade? She gave me a swat. She whooped my butt, <laughs> and it hurt. Discipline sometimes hurts. And I walked out of there thinking to myself, that wasn't so bad. I was a tough fifth grader, you know, until I sit down at my desk and real tears started to come out of my eyes because it hurt. And she was like, I am so sorry. I forgot all about that. I said, don't be sorry. I needed it. Sometimes we need discipline. So what else do we think about? Eating a bar of soap. Uh, eating a bar of soap? <laughs> Joe, come on. Are you confessing something now? Did you have to do that? What else? What would you say? Results. All right, that's good. So, so it can be a negative connotation, but it can also be a positive thing. Like in sports, we have to train, we have to practice, and we have to develop some holy habits. How many of us have habits? All of us have habits. Some of you will not talk about your habits openly here at the church, and some of you might. But we all have habits, and so we want to develop. And you develop those habits over time, right? wasn't just like one day you woke up. It was you've been developing them over time. So what if we just dive in a little bit deeper to this idea of, of habits for our holiness? So I was online, and I was looking around for different resources, and I found this book called Habits for Our Holiness. It's called How the Spiritual Disciplines Grow Us Up draw us together, and send us out. So today is the, is the intro to this, this teaching series that we're going to be doing. And I'm, I'm anxious and excited about this, okay? So because here's, I just want to give away the punchline already. Here's what I really hope happens as a result of this. For one, I hope that you will come and stay engaged and you'll listen to each one of these, these teachings, these practices, these holy habits every week. But more than just hearing them, I pray that you will go out and do them. Okay? Now, that'll be up to you, between you and God. But on top of that, my hope is, is that we will look for an opportunity at some point during the following week, whatever day that it is, and we'll, and we'll give you the note, we'll tell you ahead of time when we're going to be getting together that we actually want to get together, gather together in someone's home. And maybe if you have a home big enough and you say, you know what, my home would be available, talk with me afterwards. Or we'll get together at uh, Bethel House of Prayer, the church we used yesterday, and their space is big enough to hold us. But we want to get together and we want to practice these habits. So the first one we'll talk about next week is the practice of worship. Practice of worship. So what do you think we're going to do when we get together next Sunday evening at the Bethel House of Prayer? What do you think we're going to do? We're going to worship. That's what we're going to do. And that's all we're going to do. And I encourage you to bring your kids. Just introduce your kids. Let them be a part of it. If they're messy and noisy, that's fine. Just let them be a part of it. We're going to invite you to come and worship. The next week, it's about prayer. So what do you think we're going to do? We're going to get together and we're just going to pray. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to pray for our world that we live in because it needs it. 
We're just going to pray together. Right? So that's how it's going to work. Now, there's a, one of the weeks is rest, the discipline of rest. We all need more rest. Guess what we're going to do that week? Nothing. <laughs> we're just going to rest. All right, so I'll, we'll talk more about that later. So I found this book, and, as, and I'll just be honest with you, this book is the Baptist version of Celebration of Disciplines, really. I mean, if that means anything to you. <laughs> but it, that's really what it is. But this guy uh, works for Lifeway, which is a Christian bookstore, and he, um, he's a pastor, he's a professor, and he wrote this book in a more modern language for us to really grab a hold of and understand. And here's what he says spiritual disciplines are. They're a mental and physical act and a habit that expresses our love for God and fosters a greater display of his glory in our lives and a deeper understanding of his character and God's agenda in the world. Do you know the Lord has an agenda? You know what his agenda is? Just point blank. It's to redeem you and me. That's his agenda. Like he is pretty, it's pretty obvious and he's pretty relentless about it. So what if, what if we do this and people are actually blessed by these holy habits? What if practicing these habits actually produce something good in each one of us? What if we come out on the other end better than we are right now? Okay, that's, that'd be good news, right? If you're comfortable where you're at and who you are and you don't want to change for the good and you don't want to get more and more, uh, just draw more closer to the Lord, then this is not for you. This is not for you. But if you're saying, hey, I really, I'm really interested, I want to jump in more, here's one way you could do that. Out in the foyer, you can grab one of the books. We don't have enough for everybody, but you can find this book at Lifeway. You can find it on Amazon, <laughs> and you can get it pretty quickly. But we have books that are out there, and we ask that if you wanted to throw $5 in the basket just to kind of help offset some of the cost, that'd be great. If you don't have $5, just take one. But take the book. If, you, if you're a reader and you really want to dig in, it's a good read. My wife already started. She reads a lot of books, and she's, she likes it already. So here are a few things habits or these disciplines are not. They're not laws and they're not rules. Amen? They're not have-tos. But I hope for you that they're a want-to. They are not just for those who are in leadership in the church. They're not just for the holy people. <laughs> or for people who appear to have more mature faith than you do. This for ev- these are for everyone. I need to practice them as much as you need to practice them. They are not reasons for you to look down on others that aren't practicing them yet. <laughs> Do you hear me on that? Oh, well, I fasted this week and you haven't been fasting this week. I know because, you know, you, you said you weren't going to or whatever. But like the Pharisee and the tax collector that I talked about in Luke 18, you know, the Pharisee was like, well, I'm so glad I'm not like this guy. I fast twice a week and I give, you know, a tenth of everything that I have. And that was him looking down on someone else. That's not the reason to practice these things. It's, it's a, a way to, to develop our faith and grow in our faith. So here's what we're going to do. Grab your Bible, open it up to... Two places, Matt, Book of Matthew... Okay, book of Matthew, and then Psalm 133. 
So book of Matthew, Psalm 123, or 133. One of the disciplines is the discipline of Bible study. So I encourage you to make sure you, while you're at the bookstore picking up your Habits for Holiness book, make sure you have a Bible too, because <laughs> you're going to need it. So in the rest of the time we have together today, we're going to look at these three things, that these, these disciplines, these habits that we can practice in our life will help us do. They'll First of all, they'll grow us up in our faith. They'll enlarge our faith. They'll increase our, hopefully, our intimacy. And they'll develop our relationship with God. The vertical relationship. You know, we talk about the cross a lot. The vertical relationship that we have with God. Let me ask you a question. Just honest question. Is there anyone here that wants to grow more mature in their faith. Just be real. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I want to be more mature in my faith. And my hand's up too. So each one of these disciplines, I think the greatest desire, I believe, of the Lord is that each one of these disciplines will help us look more and more like Jesus. Makes sense, right? When we worship him, when we acknowledge who he is, we acknowledge who we are, it gives us a desire to be more and more like him. And these, just to give you a, just a quick, quick rundown, worship, Bible study, prayer, fasting, ooh, yes, fasting. <laughs> Guess what we're going to do that week? We're going to encourage you to fast from something. And then we're going to get together at the end of the week, and we're going to talk about how did that feel. Did you struggle? Was it hard? Was it easy? What did you learn? Let's just... Here's the one thing about this kind of um, gathering, is we don't get a lot of uh, one time together and just really discussing it. And so that's why we're going to create these spaces. The following week, we're going to go the opposite direction. It's called... The practice of fellowship. We're going to get together and we're going to have a big party. And we're not going to fast. <laughs> we're going to have fun. Because we are, as this describes it, a partying people. You know Jesus partied? But he partied with a purpose. <laughs> and we, want to, we just want to have fun together and just getting to know one another. We're going, to, we're going to try to find a big space where we can just get together and have fun. It's a potluck party. Anybody like those? Just bring your favorite food. <laughs> And we'll eat it together, like they did in the Bible. It's awesome. Driving the slow lane, we're going to practice rest. We're going to have a guest speaker that's going to come. He's going to talk about the, the discipline of evangelism, how we can be equipped and prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. We're going to talk about simple living, just not minimalization or whatever, minimalism or whatever, but just like simplifying our life and just getting down to the things that really matter practice of servanthood we're going to go do something for someone else I don't know about you but that excites me really one of the holiest things we could probably do as a church is just to say one day we're not going to have church we're just going to go be church right 
The practice of submission. Learning to just rave the white flag and say, I give up. <laughs> I'm going to submit to his authority in our life. The practice of spiritual leadership, traveling together, how we learn to lead in the capacity that God's given us wherever he's placed us. And then the last one is the practice. Oh, by the way, in between there's Easter, and we'll, just, we'll have Easter service that Sunday, and we won't do anything the following week. And the last one will be the practice of disciple-making, and that's called being city missionaries. You know, missionaries are not just those people who pack up and leave the country. You can be a missionary wherever it is that God has placed you. So we're going to grow up in our faith. We're going we're to discover things new about the Lord and new about ourselves. And then it says we're going to draw together. These, these, these disciplines, these practices want to draw us together as a church. You know, there's a great blessing when people are unified, when, they're, we're, when we're in unity together. Listen to what Psalm 133 says. How good and pleasant is it when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. And one of the greatest disservices to the, to the kingdom of God is when the body of Christ are fighting with one another. And we're not in unity with one another. It doesn't, unity doesn't mean I agree with everything that you do or say, but it means that I will love you no matter what. And I will walk with you no matter what. And that I can, I can be connected to someone that's a different skin color than I am. I was at the YMCA this week, and I had this conversation with a, a woman who is an immigration lawyer. And I, I point blank, just we got in this conversation, I point blank asked her, I said, hey, um, are, you, are you involved in church? She said, no. I said, well, let me just be bold and ask, why not? Why not? She seemed like she believed but the body of Christ is not a priority. And here's the, here's the number one reason. She says, it's not because of anything that happened to me in the past. It's what's going on in the church today. And I said, whoa, really? What, tell me, what's going on? And she, her perspective, and it is an indictment to some churches, not the church as a whole, but she says, I am deeply saddened by the way that evangelicals or the, the church as a whole, not every church, but the church as a whole, has such lack of concern for people of different color and different races and different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds. The church looks way too much like a country club, not nearly enough like a hospital. You know, I, I think she was along the same lines of the people who think the most segregated time in America is this time right now. 
you know, where we don't tend to hang out with people who aren't like us. And we tend to gravitate to the people that are. And is the church willing to get messy to allow people who are broken and not like them into the doors? I would like to say that we are. But are you? Are you willing to open up the doors and say, Everyone. We say everyone is welcome, but is everyone welcome? If they're not like us? White and boring? I'm talking about me, not you. Yesterday, Jeff, my friend Jeff, I ran into him, him, him at the uh, grocery store, and I'd gotten a phone call from this man who, funny enough, I'd actually met this guy before several years ago. I was a youth pastor. He had come to town and needed some help, and I met him, and I took him and got him some food. He started telling me his story on the phone. I'm like, this sounds familiar. I think I know you. And he called me because my, our phone number in the Landmark newspaper is the first one listed because Ivan Foley's my friend, and he put our church phone number first. <laughs> it's not what you know to, you know, Right? And he called me up and started telling me his story. And I'm like, wait a minute, dude. I think I know you. Sure enough, I went and met him. I knew that it was the same guy. Six foot 11, darker than night, man. I was like, Michael, man. I gave him a big hug. We go to the grocery store, give him some food. We run into Jeff. And you know what his words were to me afterwards when we got in the car? That brother goes to your church? Yeah, why? Are you concerned? Why do you think that's a big deal? Man, he talked about it. This is the most segregated hour in America. I was like, that's not our heart, man. <laughs> that's not our desire. It's one thing for my heart to be for the nations, but it's a whole other thing for the church's heart to be for the nations. There was a church that I knew that they prayed for the nations, and guess what? The nations came to them. And all of these people from a different country migrated to the Kansas City area and started taking up half of their church seats. Half of the, the white people would sit on this side, and the Burmese people would sit on this side. A lot of times it's because of a language barrier. <laughs> and then they would do the service in both languages. I don't know. Are we willing to be interrupted? Are we willing to let it be messy? Are we willing to not let anything get in the way between us and our love for one another? There's a place of blessing when there's unity, but there is disunity in the body. It's a place of chaos. And why would the outside world want anything to do with that? They would want nothing to do with that. So we got to make sure that we are being real with one another and we're developing deeper friendships. Is there anyone that want deeper friendships in the church, in the body of Christ? You want deeper friendships? Anyone? I hope that's true. It might need mean that you need to get out of your comfort zone and extend your hand. So over all of these disciplines, by the way, is the greatest discipline of all, and that is the discipline of love, which we must have, right? Which is the, which is the great commandment in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, right? Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, and he told them, the greatest commandment is what? Love God with everything that you have 
right? So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look up, and I want you to look around you. <laughs> and then it's to love others. Look up first, because you've got to nail that down first, right? Because you're not going to love well if you don't love him, and he do, you don't know that he loves you. Okay? And then from, from that, you spread out and you love others. All these disciplines flow out of love. God loves you, and he wants you to grow up in your faith, and he wants you to be drawn together with other people who are like-minded, who other people who are, or even people who don't think exactly like you. But you just, he wants you to draw together as the body of Christ, where you just feel like they have my back. There's a, there's a funny a poster out on the, um, the wall out here. Someone's running for office. Vote for Molly. She has your back. And it's two stick people. And in one of the stick people, she has like the person's back in her hand. You know, like the person has no core. <laughs> the person's holding it. Molly has your back. Do you know that your brother and sister have your back? And they'll help you move. That's really the litmus test of love in the church. Somebody will help you move, all right? That's real love right there. That's sacrificial love, especially if they live on houses that have steps. That's really a lot of love. But when we engage in these disciplines, it becomes a witness to the rest of the world. And this is the last part. We'll finish up with this. Because God is desiring to grow us up, draw us together, and send us out. Because most of our time is not spent here, right? We come together. I love this picture. We worship. We feed one another. We encourage one another. We put our hand in the middle. We said, break, go team, and then we go out to the rest of the world. And we've got to be prepared. We've got to be prepared to share the hope that we have and the truth that we know. Is there anyone here that wants to be sent into the darkest parts of the world to rescue souls from the pit of hell? Anybody? Not very many of you. I expected that. Or do you at least want to be equipped to share a reason for the hope that you have with your neighbor? How about that? Yeah, okay, there we go. A few more hands. Like, I don't even have my passport, Brady. I can't go. The pits of hell, so far away. It's, how do you even get there? I mean, seriously? Sometimes you don't have to look very far. <laughs> That's always the greatest fear, right? I don't want to say yes to Jesus too much because he might send me somewhere uncomfortable. How about Matthew 28, 19 through 20? Someone could probably already tell me what this passage of Scripture is. This is the great send them out passage of Scripture. Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. I'll wait till I hear the pages stop turning. Look to the person next to you. He's waiting on you. Come on. We gotta go. <laughs> lunch. We're not fasting yet. <laughs> we gotta eat lunch. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. This is verse 16. When they saw him, they worshiped him. I love this, but some doubted. Some of you are going to want to dive in and, and take all of this that you can get. And some of you are like, eh, I don't know. We'll see. 
Jesus came near and he said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. What is, what is Jesus' primary commandment? We just talked about it just a minute ago. What's his primary commandment? It's love, right? It's love. And he says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. So for one, going through these disciplines, these trainings, these habits or whatever, you're not going to be alone. He's going to be there with you. Along the way, we are going to be there with you along the way. But the purpose is not just to keep it internal and keep it inside, keep it within the walls. The purpose is to take it out. Listen to what the author of this book says. It says, the king of the universe has a deeper desire to redeem people. It's more deeper than you can possibly imagine. Amazingly, he invites us into the work when we love him deeply, he will form us to mirror his heart, and he has a missionary heart. Do you know that? God has a missionary heart. Jesus left heaven, went on a mission trip to earth, put on a servant's towel, served people, loved people, gave his life to people, became obedient to death, even death on a cross, it says in Philippians chapter 2. And that's what missionaries are willing to do. They're willing to give it all for the sake of the gospel. Because they already know the truth. If you're a missionary for Jesus, I already know the truth. I already know what's going to happen to me. But these people that I'm going to share with, they have no idea. Do you know, a long time ago, I wasn't even on staff at the Baptist Church. I was sitting in a service, and this missionary named Jim Akins, this guy was an evangelist, powerful pastor, preacher. He actually was the pastor at that church several years ago. He was preaching one time, and he was telling a story about him and his family leaving California, driving across the United States, and they were on mission for Jesus. And that wrecked my heart that day. And in the best way that I could explain it, I was like, I want to be on mission for Jesus. I mean, I don't want to go to the darkest pits of hell, but I want, to go, I want to be on mission for Jesus. And then several years later, God gave me the opportunity. But the mistake I made then was thinking I had to be on staff or be some kind of professional to be on mission for Jesus. I didn't realize I could be on mission for Jesus every day. Right? Every day. And he's calling us to have the same heart, towards, of, heart of love towards others as he had towards us. Did you get that? The same heart he has for us, he wants us to have for other people. I want to finish with this quote. It was funny, this popped up on my Facebook. I posted it two years ago, yesterday. And as the worship team comes <laughs> from that video last week, that was funny. Okay, listen to this. Christianity is a lifestyle, a way of being in the world that is simple, nonviolent, shared, inclusive, and loving. But we have made it, however, into a formal established religion in order to avoid the demanding lifestyle that it calls us to.
We have formed it into this religion, one where people could, could be greedy and racist and selfish and vain to the highest levels of the church and still easily believe that Jesus is their personal Lord and Savior. Listen to what this guy says. The world has no time for such silliness anymore. The suffering on earth is too great. Do you hear what I'm saying? The suffering on the earth is too great for us to get caught up in some of this stuff that happens where we treat each other terrible and we don't love one another. We don't sacrifice for one another. Like we have to love that way so that other people will see the love in us and that other people will see Christ in us. Do you hear that? That's who he's calling us to be. And these disciplines are just a tool to help you get there to help you walk that out. In all of these things, he's going to challenge us. He's going to encourage us. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be beautiful because we're going to do it together. So every week, I'm going to say, this is where we're gathering at this time and at this place, and it's your choice to enter in if you want to. And if you come, you'll be blessed. And if you don't come, that's okay too. Maybe you got other things you got to do that particular night. We'll try to mix up the nights so we'll catch people where Sunday night's not good, but Friday night maybe, or whatever it is. We'll be, we'll try to have a variety of times. But my point is, is we're going to set the table and we're going to invite you to come. We're going to invite you to come. To enter in. Because what if, what if our radical love for Jesus and each other changed this narrative that I just read about? What if it changed the story? What if that's what God is waiting for, for the church to start loving him and to start loving each other with grit, right? Passionate, persistent pursuit. What if? What if? As we share this last song, uh, we provide a place for you to come and pray. Brady will come, the other Brady, Brady and Brady. And anybody else that feels led to just pray, whatever it is God's putting on your heart, then come and pray.